<laughs> Peppa Games 2 called The Battle of the DJs. Yes. Fucking hell. Someone needs to get footage like side by side and then put some drum and bass and it would just be the best video ever created. Yeah, but the problem is when it comes to DJs, Pep was freestyling and Tuchel had a set ready just plus play. Banger after banger. Yeah, that's it. Alex, give us an intro, please, so I can cut Hello this Hello and beginning. welcome to the Passing the Ball, Scoring the Goal podcast at under underscore the kosh on Twitter. My name is Alex. Mohamed is here. Hello. And Bernie is here. What up? What up? Outside for the second week in a row, Bernie. Funny enough, outside is where I have the best connection to the Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> Who is your provider, just so the people know what to do and what not to do? Uh, Rogers, don't do it. Fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> Official stance of the Kosh cast. Isn't official stun- stance of stunts. Stance of tech savvy, too. <laughs> <laughs> that is very much true. I rate tech savvy for, for spending their money on promoted ads just to like further their campaign against Rogers. I love yeah, that. And the it's ads beautiful. are black and white. <laughs> well, you know, they're spending some money. No. Right. They're the only ads on Twitter I actually stop and look at before I keep scrolling. I literally so, will block any them. other promoted tweet. If you promote your tweet at me, you're getting blocked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. Like Have you blocked anyone? Has Under the Kosh, like, the official account blocked anyone who's not, like, just random, just like a regular person? Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, I, yeah. I, I'd, I'd love to hear the story about why later, if we remember any good ones. Probably some Brexit dickheads, you know. Ah, uh, ah. Uh. Fair enough. But the pop when, um, when we were political. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, there's, I guarantee every football account that doesn't love Jose Mourinho has had to block a few of those weirdo, like Mourinho stan people that have Mourinho as their avi and in their bio and stuff. There are loads of those. Which is probably a good thing that Mohanad didn't voice his desire to have Jose Mourinho manage Arsenal on Twitter and he just kept it here. Could it be, <laughs> could it be any worse than where we are? Yeah. Uh, yes. It really it would be like it would. The results would be the same, but you just hate everything about right, everything. Right. You know? I, I I actually guarantee you that if Jose continued, Saint Totteringham Day would have happened or whatever. Like, isn't it? That's the one where you finish above them, right? Yeah. Yeah, it would have happened. Hasn't happened in a while. Yeah. Sorry. I don't know that it would. He would. Uh, William would have played more. Hundred <laughs> percent. I don't know. Does William play through pain barriers and like famine and floods and stuff? Because you have to, you have to, you have to, you know, play through adversity and natural disasters for Mourinho. So yeah, that's true. Like Obama and getting malaria would not be a good enough reason to not <laughs> play. No, that's true. It's not a proper disease. Well, your legs are fine. Yeah, malaria doesn't hit you in the legs. I don't get what the problem is. <laughs> it's not malaria. <laughs> that's not far off at all. It honestly isn't. Um, Champions League. I mean, that happened. Yeah. Look, Mohanad, you you kind of you you tend to sit in this little pocket of like respecting Pep very much, but also massively enjoying any chance to have a massive go at him. Yeah, it's a weird little little zone. Like it's a Venn diagram where I sit in there, which the two circles don't make sense, but they somehow overlap. And I just, I I really respect him, but because how crazy he is and how 
stubborn and uptight and I'm, you know, all that good stuff. It's nice when he fails once in a while. Um, and yeah, this, this, this just bothered me. Like I was just mad. Like I'm, I don't even care. I'm not a city fan. Yeah. I would have preferred city to win from an Arsenal perspective, but he just honestly pissed me off before the game started <laughs> with this formation. And it was just like, well, here we go again. Like it, it's honestly not that hard. You have a, whatever, a billion dollar squad, play your best 11 in the most safe formation and you're going to win the game. But instead he has to do something. Bernie, what, if anything, do you think he was like, we, okay. It's been a few days. Everyone knows what we're talking about here. Now there was no Rodri. There was no Fernandinho. Um, I think Bernie, you brought up the stat or was it you Mohamed? Sorry that out of like 61 games in the season, one of those two had started 60 of them. And this was the one that they didn't. Um, yeah. Bernie, what, what do you think he was even thinking? I don't know. I, 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 I've, I've, tried to think about it and I think he was trying to just press and I think maybe he felt Rodri's mobility isn't there and maybe Fernandinho's age is starting to show so he thought Gundogan could press them up higher on the up the pitch or something that's the only thing I can think of but I don't see why you do that one time this season you've already won like 26 games in a row or whatever it was that they did, just do what you know how to do and don't confuse everybody. But it's not even about Gundogan. Gundogan can still play. Like, you're doing this to bring in Sterling. Like, I'm sorry. If you're doing this to bring in, like, Mbappe into the team, okay, do it. Let's hope for the best. But you're doing it to, to what? To bring in Sterling? Like, Gundogan could have still played. Just push Foden up. Play him where he's been playing amazing up the left. Play Bernardo Silva, Gundogan, and Fernandino or Rodri and just potentially win the game because you're going up against Kante. Pretty much the best midfielder in the world over the last month or so. Like he's been phenomenal. He, you know, he started the season slow, wasn't even starting every game for Chelsea, earned his place back, and now it's like Ballon d'Or contention because of his last like couple of months. And then what? You decide to just give him a free run in the center midfield against nobody? It just doesn't make any sense. It it really didn't. And like Gundogan's had his best, arguably his best season for Manchester City, and he's had it in an attacking sense. This has been his best attacking season forever. So what you want to do in the Champions League final is make him your, your deepest lying, most defensive midfielder. Like he was there, but he was just getting blown past by Chelsea's ultra physical, ultra quick, ultra dynamic midfield. And like anyone could have told you that would happen. It, it was just, it was honestly one of the most bizarre decisions. And I agree. Like, I, you know, I rate Sterling more than you guys do maybe, but like, He's been in terrible form. Why would you change things around? Why would you ruin a winning formula to put him into the team? I think, like, on to you guys' point about Sterling, yes, he's been in terrible form. And I don't think, even in that terrible form, like, you think about it, he's not been able to beat his man. And part of that, part of what Sterling used to be able to do was, you know, make a little bit of space for himself, pass and move, pass and move. He can't even do a one-two and and get past this guy. You know, Wamataka's pocketed him. Reese James has done it every single time we've seen them play. Like, I'm just, I, it, I don't know. It look to most point, yes, the gun and gun thing didn't make sense to me because he didn't even play deep. He literally was pressing high. And then the Sterling thing, I didn't get it. And maybe as a result, Mares didn't even touch the ball, really. So all those things together were just stupidity. Also, also in midfield, like Chelsea started with that three at the back, right? And then they had, so they had the wide, they had the wide spots with Reese James and Chilwell or Aspilicueta and Chilwell. But then also in midfield, what you really ended up getting because Havertz and Mount didn't really play out wide. 
right? They played kind of central underneath Timo Werner or Werner would come in and Havertz would go up. So it was like everybody was was narrow. So you ended up getting Mount, Havertz, Jorginho and Kante all in midfield, passing the ball around and pressing and doing their thing against like Gundogan. And then Bernardo Silva supposed to be running around pressing and playing, you know, as a center mid or a box to box. It didn't make any sense. It just doesn't suit him. Foden was kind of held back because every time he'd bump forward, he'd leave a huge gap. And then you'd have Sterling who's up there, who every time he got the ball, the, the, the play just broke down. It made zero sense. And you've got Kevin De Bruyne, arguably the best passer of the ball, you know, in the league, if not Europe playing as a false nine ahead of the play where he can't get on the ball and dictate anything. It just, it, it was completely baffling. And I, I don't know how much we can say, like, Pep got it, I mean, Pep got it massively wrong, but did the players, the players looked terrible too. Was that his fault? Did he give him, you know, too much new stuff as, as Bernie was pointing out? Like, I was listening I to the, the Peter Crouch podcast the other day and he said, the bigger the game, the fewer the instructions. Because there's already tension the players are already hyped up. What you want to do is keep it as simple as possible. And for the how many year in a row Pep failed to do that? I, th- there are, I, I think it was in either the Moscow or the Barcelona United Champions League win where apparently Ferguson didn't talk a s- tactics at all. I mean, he's not a tactician anyway, but he was telling, he was like, how was your day? Like going around just asking them, how are you doing? How are you feeling? How's your mom? Like just like regular conversation and then told them go out there. Like in a final you know what to do, especially a team that you've played three times. Do all the tactics beforehand, but at least make it make sense. Like, even even when you think about um, Chelsea, I know a lot of people are talking about Tuchel and how good of a tactician he is. I'm not even convinced that he had to do that much um, tactically on the pitch. Beforehand, maybe, but on the pitch, because think about it, he didn't plan to not have Fernandinho or Rodri to play against. Tuchel's tactics went completely out the window, and Chelsea just did what every other team did, usually does to beat City, but it was easier, which was play very direct and very quick and use our pace. It's already tough for City to handle that with Rendino and Rodri. They made it a gaping wide hole in that middle, and they were just they just kept coming and coming. Uh, Werner could have scored three, Havertz could have scored before. It was a mess. I'd say playing Havertz was a really good move instead of, let's say, a Pulisic, because what he wanted to do was create overload in the center of the midfield. I've got the wingers, I've got, you know, the the, the wingbacks and whatever, James and Chilwell or Aspilicueta and Chilwell. So now I don't need a Pulisic. I don't need a Werner out wide. What he did was he said, okay, Havertz and Mount can come in and kind of, you know, James and Chilwell are, are you know, are the or the bread to that to that burger. And then that's it. Werner's up top kind of with the space or whatever. So I thought that was really smart to not start a winger, quote unquote, and starting Havertz instead that kind of likes to cut in and overload that midfield. Yeah, it was. And and thank you to Timo Werner for, you know, providing us what he does week in, week out, which is just comedy gold. And it, it happened within minutes. Like his was and we do this every week right like he's useful because he makes good runs but imagine if he could also finish like he'd be Haaland right like he's got the pace he's got the movement everything's good and then he just can't shoot um so if they do upgrade him there then you're looking at potential title challenges I reckon but it it, it was just so funny like Uh, two golden chances like in the first I don't know 20-25 minutes yeah Mason Mount's pass though just right Love through, it. right through all of City. It was from deep as well. It was a really, really good pass. And again, Havertz, he was, he was, it was pretty much a one-on-one. So this is less of a case of this example. But again, Ederson all the way out. 
allowing a very easy task for hovers to just easily just lay it down to the side, put it into an open net. Let Havertz take a touch under that pressure of the center back. Let Havertz take a touch with the pace of the ball coming from Mount. Let's, you know, let him deserve it. Let him earn it. But now he's looking up and it's an open goal. It just doesn't make sense why Ederson's all the way out there. I think the other thing about Ederson in that was um, he's trying a sweeper-keeper thing, but he came out and he had no control. Like, he just ran out as if, like, like, like a madman. And I'm not sure he had any chance to get himself positioned properly, even though he got a touch onto it, it was pretty much luck. Yeah, but the like, touch was the touch was was with his hand outside the box. So even if that didn't go in, he's getting a red card. Oh yeah, okay, okay. So it, in either way, it's a horrible decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like as as you said, let let him have to bury it. Let him he have can't. To... Like you saw, you saw the chance he missed against Arsenal, for example, one on one. Like he he's not gonna, you know. Chances are Havertz will not bury that past Ederson. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he could. But chances are he won't. Yeah, and and that's often the case. Like I think keepers just give attackers way too much credit. Yeah. Like I, honestly, and and I know this is this this is a useless comparison, but I'm going to make it anyway. Which is that when we're playing at rec level, like half the time, the best thing to do is let the opposition do what he's trying to do, and it, it will just go for a, go up for a goal kick, <laughs> and then you start again. <laughs> yeah, I I, I think there's definitely not. Well, we see your point. <laughs> <laughs> your point. But uh, even and, and Mohanad, to, to your because you brought it up the DM thing before the game started, and it was interesting to me because as well, City played a stupidly high line and didn't play a defensive midfielder. I was like, how how much more exposed do you want to leave your back line? Like, oh so just, my just god, the physicality of a game of football when you've got Silva, Gundogan, and Foden right, in midfield, who have zero physical strength between them. Then you have Mares and Sterling out wide, who also have zero physical strength between them. De Bruyne slightly, and then, you know, got his face broken by uh, by Rudiger. So, like, at the end of the day, your top six players, you know, including Zinchenko at left back, have zero physical ability. No one's winning a 50-50. No one's winning a header. No one's winning the long goal kicks. No one's winning anything. So, unless... Pep and City played the perfect game on the day. They were always going to lose this. I mean, sure. look at this. Yeah. Thiago Silva went off in the 39th minute and he was substituted by... Who was it? Who came Christensen. out? Christensen. Christensen. Like, come on. Like, to, there's to be no fair, way he shouldn't score a goal. You could bank on that. Thiago Silva always goes off in the first half. Yeah. This, this, this was just uh, uh, later than usual. Um, <laughs> uh, I, my, my, I have a question for you guys in that. Um, do you also think... He should have started a striker in this game. No, no, not 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 necessarily. Like the best that City have been this season has been without one. Um, and if you're if you're trying to move that back three around, I don't think there's any benefit to having like a more static. But don't Jesus you think that or Aguero or something? But it the was point just of the that rest back of three it. is to stay tight. So yeah. like they're not going to be moved around. Like that, that that's the whole intention of that, right? Like. Those three will stay close to each other, and when they're defending, it becomes a five, right? It's you're literally not going to move anyone around. That's the whole point. Also, to Bernie's point, City have really struggled against Chelsea this season, and mm-hmm. Chelsea play five at the back, and potentially, maybe, maybe there's a point there where you're going to struggle with a false nine against three defenders, right? So maybe. Uh, yeah, it's it's a reasonable suggestion. I I just think, I just don't I. If, if there were a different striking option, I would agree. I just think Aguero and Jesus would have got swallowed up by those guys anyway. I think if they had, and I've been saying for years, like watching City in the Champions League 
and and you know you hesitate to say it to not sound too like proper football man but if they had a target man so many of these knockout games could have been different just any kind of aerial physical presence in the box because they they always end up chasing the game and spending the last 15 20 minutes whipping crosses in to literally no one so if they had any kind of physical presence in the box yeah i, I would say sure but they don't all right yep. well overall it was an uneventful game it was not really the great spectacle well i mean once, once there was two English teams in the final, people lost a little bit of hope anyway. But it, unfortunately, like I was expecting a little bit more from the game, maybe on City's side. But overall, the game was quite slow. Not really a lot happening. City at the end tried, like in the last 15 minutes, to to turn the screw a little bit. But I don't, I can't remember, you know, a major there chance. Maybe Foden had one. one. Foden had one in the first half where I thought, this was your moment on the big stage. Like we all know Foden, blah, blah, blah. But it's it's a little bit more on the Premier League side right now. But in a Champions League final, you score that goal that Foden had a chance and, you know, people start to notice you worldwide. And I thought he just missed his chance there, unfortunately. Well, it was well, a brilliant Pulisic, block. It was a brilliant block. It was a brilliant block. And Pulisic had a chance to wrap this game up that I thought was already in. Like when, when, it, when I saw it was wide, I was like, what? <laughs> it looked like it, it went in. Like, to me, I actually enjoyed the game, and I thought it was a lot easier for Chelsea than, than people make it out to be. I think they were in total and utter control, and, and credit to them. Credit to them yeah. for that. I, I thought it was the, just an insanely competent performance. Like, none of them put a step wrong. It was, it was perfect in that respect. Um, and, and you have to give Thomas Tuchel a lot of credit for that. But I am going to slam him here, because at that chance that you're talking about, the Pulisic chance, I don't know if you've seen the highlights and his reaction to that. He's literally down on his hands and knees, banging the ground as if like the most tragic thing to befall anybody has just happened to him. Sammy, I have for. to say, last week it was the tracksuit. This week it was that. I was just like, have some dignity, man. Like, I, I, I've watched... So, Bernie and I have recently watched the, the, Sir, the new Sir Alex Ferguson documentary, right? And it, it shows you close-ups of him as Manchester United scored the goals to equalize and go 2-1 up in the Champions League final in 1999. And he was calmer then than Tuchel was about Pulisic missing a chance to go 2-0 up. Just, like, get hold of yourself, please. He's insane. He, he, he absolutely is insane. And we said last week, you kind of have to be insane to, to, to do this thing. So, you know, pro- props, to, props to Tommy T and haha, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just to get it in there for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know, Rudiger's been brilliant and he tried to exile him. So there's that. Um, Kante was man of the match. We got a question from Jamie Blackpool, Brackpool, sorry, at Jamie Brackpool on Twitter, who says, does Kante have any chance of winning the Ballon d'Or? If not, who else would you say is the favorite? Obviously, this depends on what happens post Euros and Copa America, but give your provisional answers. Do you guys think he has a chance? I don't think it should be based on like the last six games of the season. And people online have made some good points of like, you know, you see Casemiro balling a couple of seasons ago, you see Busquets balling back in the day, like just because he had a good performance in defensive midfield. I don't think it equates to a Ballon d'Or. Like that's just not for me. But man of the match in both legs of the semifinal and the final. That's three games. What if he has a brilliant Euros too? What is a brilliant rule? Like a lot of tackling and stuff. Well, no, like, like France, France win. Like often a Ballon d'Or winner is there because their team won the Champions League or their team won the the international tournament. Like it's not necessarily always just because like they did fifteen Rabonas. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, I I, that... I'm just biased to the attackers when it comes to Ballon d'Or. I just feel like that's really the hardest part of the game. That's what the game's about. Everything else is great and solid and everything, but a Ballon d'Or needs to be something exceptional, and exceptional usually happens in front of goal for me. I, okay, so I who are you that... thinking? Oh, yeah, who are, who are you thinking for? Oh, well, it's obviously, it's, it's obviously Messi for me. Oh, okay, never mind. And it's not, it's not, it's not crazy. Moving go, on. Go, go no, look no, at the, no, no, that's no, fine. no, no. Go no, look at fine. the twenty, the top twenty attacking stats no. in the Liga. He has nineteen no, of them. That's fine. That's the man fine. has dominated it, it, the Liga again on his own. No, again, that's fine. It's and Lewandowski. it's not Copa America. If it's, if it's the strikers, Lewandowski, and it's not Messi, but we're not, we're not going there. Um, <laughs> the, the, <laughs> he's he's got forty-one his, goals. He scores in his sleep in that league. Come he's on, got, bro. And you think Liga is it? get out of here he's got 41 goals in 29 games he was injured for a month and he still broke a 50 year old record and you want to talk to me about messi, if messi listen or ronaldo, i don't if, I, alex if mute messi this guy. or ronaldo <laughs> played in the bundesliga they would score 100 goals a season. that's not my not problem mate la liga like it's not my problem la, la like, liga's not better right now it just isn't i mean it probably is a little bit like for being real maybe, but... Liga defending is the worst in europe <laughs> but oh, still yeah. 41 goals in 29 games like no 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 i'm sorry no Anyway, it is Conte for me if France win the Euros, which there's a decently good chance because, you know, if they do win the Euros, he's going to probably pull a World Cup where he was the reason why France won the World Cup. Like, he was that good. Except and, in the final. Yeah, where Pogba was the, was the man of the match. But anyway. Give him um, the Ballon d'Or. No. Um, <laughs> the, thing about, the thing about Conte is, like, he didn't have a good first half of the season, but ever since Tuchel came back, or came in, sorry, he's been actually brilliant. But people just, because it's not champion semifinals, no one's hyping up N'Golo Kante for the last six months. It's not, like, he has been brilliant this calendar year. Which, and when you're that consequential, which is he is, he has been absolutely consequential and the reason why they won the Champions League, more so than anyone else, probably will be one of the reasons why they win okay. Euros. Okay. I, Here, I think he's going to be in the top three. Here's a more realistic one. Here's a more realistic one for you. Tony Martial, how about that one? I mean, it's in his claws. You guys, you know, Monaco got a lot of money. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I see where I, you're going. I think, I mean, he, he I apologized to his wife's last girlfriend for cheating. Like, there's a lot of good Several that times. happened this year. I, I see where you're going. But the only <laughs> problem is you're going to make me do something that I really never wanted to do in my life, which is <laughs> praise Ed Woodward. Because... A Ballon clause is an unlikely thing to happen, which means I don't have to pay you that money. So it's actually brilliant negotiation. And Monaco are the I don't, idiots here. Yeah. I, it, pretty much, not Man United. So. Yeah. Alex, what do you think? Because we never ask you what you think. You just ask I, the questions. I have, I have a, a shout. I've got a yeah. shout. I think they call this a hot take. Um, Mason Mount, right, has I'm been... Done. I'm done. Listen, get, get rid of him. Hear me get out. rid of him. Mason Mount, Conte, Conte had a terrible first <laughs> half of the season, right? Mason Mount was brilliant. Conte had a good second half of the season. Mason Mount was brilliant. Mason Mount has been brilliant all season, even when Chelsea weren't good. And if he goes to the Euros and England, who are, by the way, favorites, joint favorites with France, and England go to the final, and Mason Mount is a... I muted Alex. Alex. Mute. Yeah, you mute. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice, Birdie. <laughs> now we can have a real podcast. <laughs> I didn't even Alex. know Bernie had that power. Alex, we're not asking you if Mason Mount is a good player. We're asking you if he should be the Ballon d'Or. I'm, what I'm saying is if Kante is a candidate, then Mason Mount is a candidate. Yeah, but Kante is somebody. Mason he Mount went out there and he became somebody. At this point. The problem, Alex, is I love Mount, but this is making it difficult. 
<laughs> no, no, no. Hold on. When now I told you know Mohanid, every week, Mohanid. When I told Mohanid that I would rather have Mount than Foden in my team, he was like, "Just give me the GarageBand file. I'll do the podcast myself." <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's a much better shot than what Alex just said. <laughs> Look, if Kante is a candidate, Mason Mount is a better candidate on this season's form. That's what I'm saying. Okay. All right. Fine. Relatively. Yeah. So basically, what we're saying is there's so many p- players that deserve it before Kante because clearly Mount is one of them. So there's going to be sure, a lot if more. You, if you want. Yeah. Sure. Okay. So so we still didn't decide who's winning. But so Lewandowski, Mount, and Messi. No, is that, no, is that Con- a final three? Conte will win it. Like, let's just go with who they're going to vote for, which is Conte. <laughs> who decides this? Who's doing the voting? Journalists and captains. Somebody and in you, France somewhere. And if you think the captains <laughs> won't vote for Conte now? They're already saying it. It's done. Messi will vote for like Sergio Aguero or something. We know this, but you know, yeah, everyone else yeah. will vote for Conte. Okay, fair enough. All right. All right. Well, that's an award, and we've got other awards to talk about. Mahana, do you want to you want to take the lead? Yeah. Here? Are we are we mentioning the Europa League final at all? No, I'm good. It was. I just like to I just like to bring it up very quickly. Maybe just a two minute recap on how we we can just put right in here a clip of Unai saying good evening, and that's that's all we need to know. <laughs> Unai, Unai Emeryd, I mean, he just did what he does. He wins this tournament. Except when he when he when he's managing Arsenal, of course. Well, you know, he, he's not a miracle worker. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it, it, this was one of the most extraordinary penalty shootouts I've ever seen. In that, the goalkeepers were awful. Like there mm-hmm. were a lot of savable penalties, and they made De Gea especially seemed to be making no attempt whatsoever to save them. Alice, can I can I just tell you if you haven't seen it that he actually ignored instructions. We've seen it. Yeah. You mean on five penalties they told him where to go and he literally went the opposite way that they told him to go. You know how keepers have that piece of paper in the water yeah. bottle or the, yeah. So it, they showed that after the game and five of them, if he had gone the right way, he would have saved them. Jesus. <laughs> but the best part of this game, the best moment of this game. Was around whatever, maybe the 60th. I know what you're gonna say, and I'm gonna something. explode. I love it around the 60th minute or something like that. And you see the face of the Villarreal fan when Unai Emery took out his striker <laughs> in who was it, Carlos Baca, and put on Francis Coquelin. The face of the Villarreal fan was just like, oh, here we go again. Like, I know we might win but I hate my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. When you said 60th minute, I thought you were going to go with what is... <sighs> the worst dive of the season? No, that, that was bad. Wasn't... Yeah. Uh, that, was, that was bad. But it, you guys know that Marcus Rashford was onside when he missed that one... That, that oh, I thought he was season. definitely off. No, he was definitely on. <laughs> when they showed the replays, he was definitely on because Bruno oh. was on and Bruno pulled it back. So the right. cross came so the backwards. Ref, the ref put up his flag, but it would have counted. It would have counted. It oh. absolutely would have counted. And he, and you saw how mad he was when he missed. And I we I couldn't because it was one one at that point. That's the game. I could not believe what I saw yeah, when the, I saw that he missed it. The I problem with our it. the problem with our society now that I actually watch games and unfortunately when black players do something bad, I just go, oh no. And that was one moment. The other moment mm. was Twin Zebi coming on, I think, with like five minutes to go. And I thought, please, Lord, don't, do not make up. a mistake. Mm-hmm. Like, he came on, let me see, he came on, and, yeah, 116th man. I'm like, there's four minutes to go here. Do not miss kick it. Do not do anything. This is going to turn 
ugly. You know, like, unfortunately, this is society we live in now where, like, I fear for black players making a mistake on the field because of the repercussions online. And, well, frankly, and that's why Rashford did this point. Yeah. yeah, basically. And that's why Rashford got the hate because it was it was the miss of the season. But it's crazy. Like, Rashford is a is one of the pillars of this team. He's like, you know, he's loved. He came through the ranks. He's young. He, you know, all this and that still happens. Imagine someone that you don't even care about. You know what I mean? Like, that's not even important in your team or important. Like, that's the scary part. Rashford it's, it, potentially it's fed the child of someone who then abused him racially. <laughs> like, the chances of that being the case are relatively high. You put it like yeah. that. That's just, that's just devastating to me. <laughs> All right. Anyways, oh, let's uh, let's move on to something fun. We thought we'd we talked about the end of the Premier League last week. We did all the unbelievable um, analysis that we do on here. So you guys are all welcome for that. <laughs> now we're gonna do the fun stuff. So we compiled a couple of categories to do end of season EPL stuff, and you know, play along at home. See how many of these you agree with us. How many you don't? Um, you guys, you guys have your answers ready. You ready for the first one? We're I've gonna got start most of them. Okay, we're going to start pretty soon. And again, it's it's fluid. You know, it is what it is. It's a discussion more than kind of nailing down a final dude. So best player and best young player. Um, my best player of the season, unfortunately, is Harry Kane. You just cannot overlook 23 goals and 14 assists in that shambles of a team under Mourinho, defensive, blah, blah, blah. I think 23 and 14 from Kane is phenomenal. And I give him player of the season. Yep, I concur. You, you can't argue with the, that performance. It was, it was ridiculous. Yeah, no no arguments here. It's Harry Kane easily. All right. With young player, we did cap it at 21. But I went with a 22-year-old, unfortunately, oh, whatever, because I can do whatever I want. I know, Alex, you don't get to change it. Bernie, mute him. I went with Mount. Breaking the rules. <laughs> I went with Mason Mount. Okay, that's fine. I was gonna I was going to put Mount as the best player of the season, and then I saw Kane's stats. Yeah. I think that's how good he's been for Chelsea. Fair enough. Bernie's going to say generational Greenwood, no? <laughs> no. Um, I was going to follow the rules and then cheat and say it's Greenwood or Foden. Um, but because Mohanid stretched the rules, I'm going to go with the guy I would have chosen if we didn't have these rules with Mason Mounds as well. <laughs> nice. Alex? Bayo Saka. Bukayo Saka has been, has been unbelievable. And he's been unbelievable from day one this season. Every game, like every game, he's basically Arsenal's best player. He's playing in a rubbish team and he is consistently the highlight. He like at, at 19, I think he's 19 or 20, he literally drags this team across the line. So for me, like there have been other very, very impressive young players, Foden, Mount, etc. But they're already playing in brilliant teams. Saka is being brilliant for a shit team. So for that reason, he gets my young player. Okay. Uh, okay. We'll accept it. So we then we broke it down into like positions. The best striker, I think we're all going with Kane because we picked him as our player of the season. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Best midfielder, I went, I mean, obviously Mount, but other than that, I went KDB. I think he's been phenomenal for City this season. Oh, it's a big admission from Mohamed who typically hates the man. Yeah, I respect what he does, but I don't like who he is. Bunny? Um, even though he annoyed me recently, I'm going Bruno Fernandes. I think you can't argue with the numbers, and for the first 75% of the season, he did, he was Manchester United for a large part, so, and if in his second, so yeah, Bruno Fernandes for me. Right, Gary Tielemans. Mm. I think the guy has just, like, bossed 
the midfield all season and indeed he was out for a few months and that's like your main your main partner he's had he's had to deal with a few different midfield rotations and he's just been brilliant all season so cool best defender i went with diaz obviously mm-hmm. no arguments there right. not even has a magaza huh? uh second best but diaz is the best right now so yeah all right best keeper what do you guys go with I went with um, annoyingly Ederson because I don't think it was a great year for keepers. And when you have the most clean sheets and yeah, whatever, just Ederson. <laughs> Alex, um, I I had to like look up some stats for this one because I find it I find it difficult, especially when you don't see you know keepers a lot of keepers every week. Basically, the top two like save percentage keepers are Emmy Martinez and Hugo Lloris. Nick Pope is up there too, but he missed a bunch of games. Um, of those two, I'm going to go Martinez. I think Emmy Martinez has been <laughs> unbelievable this season. Right. I looked at some of his highlights, and some of the saves are just ridiculous. Yeah, my 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 top two uh, boiled down to actually Mendy and Martinez. I know Mendy with his feet is suspect, but he changed Chelsea. Like he, he yeah. turned them around in a position that they were really struggling with. And yeah, sometimes he's not easy on the eye, but he again really high amount of clean sheets, I think second after Ederson or something. And he really did plug a very important gap in their squad. And I don't think without, I don't think without him that they would have won um, the, the Champions League and got into the top four, etc. But I did pick Martinez in the end again, because he's playing in front of a weaker defense. I know Villa have been great um, kind of statistically, but a lot of that comes down to Martinez. 15 clean sheets for us and Villa in the season is very good. So That's good. a very good show. Yeah. That's a yeah. very good show. Best manager in the Premier League? Um, I'm go- oh, Hold on, just make sure I said this. I- I'm still going to go with David Moyes. Um, to scrape relegation and then to get into Europa League, I know they tailed off towards the end, almost had a Champions League spot. I just think that the, the enormity of the job that he did is something that I don't think anyone would have predicted him to do. So whenever someone exceeds expectations like that, they always get my vote over the guy who wins the league or whatever. Right. So Moyes for me. I went Moyes too. I oh think, yeah? Yeah. I think like maintaining this form when Rice went out and Mark Noble had to play, unreal. <laughs> yeah, I, I went I actually went with Tuchel at the end. I thought I thought he really turned it around. I know I just feel like yes, they've got a good team, but it's just not as good on paper, I think, as as people may realize. Like I just don't think it's phenomenal team like even just look at the center backs even the rudigers and the you know james and aspilicueta like it's just not that that solid to do this turnaround without you know a proper manager there in charge to go deep into the fa cup to go deep into the champions league to finally clinch top four i i think even though he hasn't been here all season i think i yeah he deserves it in my eyes i think that's a fair shout like we've discussed before how he did almost nothing wrong since the day he took over like almost nothing so yeah. All right, let's get into the fun stuff. Best goal of the season. Thoughts, Alex? Uh, I want you to go first because you said you had like 10 candidates. Yeah, I've got, I've got, I've got them all. All the goals. All the wait, goals. wait, but you got to go, go, go with one because like we might have others. Well, that's why you go first. I can't go with one. I just, all right, it was fine. Impossible. Bernie, go ahead. Um, okay, can I, I have three. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, and they're all to varying degrees. So uh, the one that I think is the technically best is Lamella's Rabona goal against Arsenal. Um, then the, the, the one that I think is just the pure madness 
uh, is Allison's <laughs> winner for the significance. And then I picked um, just something that was underrated but absolutely sensational, which is Bruno against Everton. Just arrogant and audacious. Uh, yeah. That that was mad mad to me. All right. All right. Well, Fair two enough. of those are, are on my list. Uh, so I've got I've got three as well. Um, third, uh, Edison Cavani, the chip. You don't on see that list, very yeah. often nowadays. In that. Just because, just Alex, I'll, I'll do it for you. Passing Please. the ball, <laughs> scoring the goal. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It was worth it just, just for that. Second, I had Alison for the, you know, the moment. It just incredible. Don't need to go into it. And my goal of the season is uh, Dwight McNeil against Everton. I just, mm. I thought technically it was perfect. We discussed it at mm. the time. Everything he did was perfect. Yeah, I just I love that goal so much. It's a dream goal for a, for a technical striker. It's a dream goal. For me, I think um again, forget about the best goal. It's just fun to remind people of some of these lovely goals. Lanzini versus Spurs. What a that hit. like final minute comeback top corner that was brilliant. Haller had a really nice bicycle kick if you Ooh, remember. I forgot it. about him completely. Yeah, yeah. The Salah counter Trent, Shakiri, Salah. And then outside the full finish. Oh, just the yeah. nonchalantness of all the technique of every single one of those players had to hit. Um, Son versus Arsenal. Brilliant curler from like so far out. Um, and yeah, the rest you guys had. So a couple yeah. of good, like when I was looking back and trying to remember and stuff, like there was a lot of good goals this season. It just the subdued atmosphere didn't really help a lot in the VAR and stuff. But yeah, a couple of really good goals. I'm, I'm sure we've forgotten some that people are screaming into whatever they're listening from. But the, yeah, there was the one from Eze, you know, where he yeah. just slow dribbled. You know what I mean? Like it, mm. it was just literally slow dribbled. And then he, like even the, even the shot, it was a slow yeah. pass into the corner. And I was like, I want to add it. I don't know why I didn't feel so confident in it, but there was something like really I love I love about that goal. I, I agree, but like part of you when you're watching that is just like the defending here is horrendous. <laughs> like, you can't be yeah. getting beaten at three miles an hour. <laughs> yes. um, next category is the best assist of the season. I had a KDB assist actually to Jesus. Don't remember all the details, but it was one of those that I hate. But he whipped it in from like as close to the right-hand side line, whatever touchline as possible, all the way across like four players in that, you know, crazy zone between the keeper and the defense. And then it got to Jesus in the back post. I just thought the technique, the power that it had to have, that was just really impressive. So yeah, that that's mine. Mohanad is showing a lot of maturity here. Well, the season's over, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> um, mine was uh, Emil Smith-Rowe against West Brom. Um, for Bukayo Saka, the the assist, the literal assist itself was just to pass a square ball across the six yard box, but he orchestrated the move. Um, he played the first ball, ran around the corner, got it back. Like the passing and movement was phenomenal, and yeah, Smithrow. Um, I I picked. There's an assist that Lindelof, who I hate so much, um, made for Marcus Rashford against Sheffield United, where from his own box, you know, he's just the defender in his own box, and he launches it. Rashford makes the run, launches it. I think Rashford takes one touch and then pow, past the keeper. It was just pinpoint beautiful accuracy, so I picked that one. Rashford's touch makes that look so good, too. That's the thing. Rashford's touch really does it there. Brilliant. All right. Best save. Bernie, go again. Best save. 
Um, I couldn't think of one. I didn't have time, but I thought of one that was a bit of comedy, even though it resulted in a goal in the end, which was Scott Carson saving a penalty <laughs> at, at 35 years old in his first game in like five, six years. I thought, yeah, he'll get a shout out from me. Right, Alex. That's a good shout. Um, I couldn't pick one either, but it's Emmy Martinez's performance against Manchester City. I was just watching highlights and he just made like five or six completely ridiculous goal line saves against City. So just go watch the highlights of that. It's great. Time. Nice. All right. So I cheated again. And <laughs> I picked Michael versus Mount in the FA Cup final. So I know we're talking <laughs> Premier League, but I'm just like, this is the one that came to mind. It was brilliant. It was a cup winning save. I'm sorry. I'm, I made the questions. <laughs> I make the rules. <laughs> <laughs> Bernie's face, if you can see it. That was a great save. But... Yeah. It's just what came to mind. I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to stress over this. <laughs> Alex and I are there like the Pablo Escobar meme, like <laughs> trying to figure this stuff out. <laughs> and you're like, I'm going to go there, make a final edit. I'm not, they're not going to, they're going to deal with it. <laughs> Fine. Um, next, we've got an overachieving team. I went, I think we're going to agree here. I went Leeds and West Ham. Yep. Both of those overachieved significantly. West Ham to even get anywhere near Europe and Leeds to finish ninth after coming up from uh, from the championship. So those are our two. Anybody have another candidate? Uh, I have West Ham, Leeds, and Manchester United. Come on. Anybody has any serious billion dollars? No, just you didn't expect them to finish second, and I didn't either, so... Yeah, what did I expect you to finish? Third. Big, well done. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted you to say it, to be honest. That's all. <laughs> all right. All right. Um, best celebration. Could you guys remember any major celebrations from the season? The only I one that I remember on a consistent basis is Benteke doing his weird walk. And it stands out to me because like, we haven't seen him do it for years. And now he's scored a few goals. So we see it on a weekly basis. Mm. Hmm. Bernie, what do you have? I, I don't know if it's the best, but it's most memorable. And it's, well, it, it's a team. And it's West Ham's band. Wow. Anytime they do a dance or a band and Declan Rice just has no sauce whatsoever, it sticks in <laughs> my mind. So they, they get it for sticking in my head. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I agreed. That that was mine too. So yeah, good shout for sure. It was it was a bit memorable. Um, best and worst hairstyles. Just shout it out, anybody. Uh, any Any candidates? I have... Best hairstyle, uh, Saint Maxima, uh, and that oh, the the headband also makes it. And I have worst hairstyle for the same hairstyle, which is Deli Ali. <laughs> it's it's, it's ridiculous on him. I, I have for best hairstyle Eze, it's pretty similar, um, and worst hairstyle Leeds United. <laughs> <laughs> All the man buns. <laughs> Five or six man buns in one team, unreal. Yeah, no, good shouts. I couldn't really think of a lot of... It just seemed like the, it was a bland season when it came to that kind of stuff. I couldn't think of too many. I just remember Aubameyang having a really bad week mm. of hair where it kind of like stood up and really showed how far his hairline is. And then he had to go on Instagram and like, you know, tell everybody that's not real. It just, it was a weird week where he didn't take care of his hair and the wind blew it up in training. And that's like all I can remember. So. There was also when Aubameyang braided his hair. And then oh, everyone yeah. was like, oh, my God, he's going to do a madness now. Season's back. And then he was shit. And then he took it all out again. <laughs> Who yeah, else braided those... their hair? Was it Deli Ali or Bale or someone that braided it like really tight? Deli has dreadlocks now. Deli did. Yeah. Yeah, I, to be fair, Bale for worst hairstyle is always a contender. Yeah. yeah so it's up there. Such floppy nonsense. I, I, I mean, I mean really money. Money. Oh, yeah. The fact that he's not shaving it off. Ha- money has a 
terrible hair life. <laughs> <It's not even laughs> I, I don't really understand like any of them. They have so much money. What just do a transplant? Like yeah, he doesn't care. He just doesn't care. I'm sure, but I don't know. Just seems weird. Just do it. Just do it. All right. Next category is most likable people in the league. Um, I'll start you guys off with a couple that I have here. Let me know if anywhere in your list, if you have any more kind of just people you're happy for. It's easy to be happy for. You know, I've got Gundogan when he went on his run. It's easy to be happy for him. Bielsa, I'm happy for him. Rashford, for obvious reasons, we talked about. Hudson, uh, Parker, Suchek. Like these are people that I don't <laughs> mind when yeah. they, you know, if they see success. Does that make sense? Yeah, I agree with all of those. Uh, Rashford was was my top choice, but I'll throw in uh, Saka again as well. Lovely boy. Hmm. Um, oh, that's really good, reasonable choices. Like, <laughs> I don't know what to do now. Um, okay, uh, I'll go with two fullbacks. Uh, one of them is Kieran Tierney. I think he's just a like yeah. he's just a dependable guy. Like, I, I have no problem with him. I feel like. You know, he would always have your back. Like for some reason, I don't. I don't know why. Yeah, Tesco um, bag won won a lot of points with a lot of people. <laughs> yes. Like he's just a he's just an everyday guy. Like he doesn't look like a football player to me, and whatever. And then I go Aaron Wan-Bissaka just because he's not human, and and you know, aliens. Also, are more also, are, I thought you were gonna go with Luke Shaw and just how happy we are. He's a nice guy, and he got a lot of grief last year with his weight and blah blah blah, and he turned it around a little bit. I'm happy for him. Luke Shaw's a great. I guess a great guy, but I also laugh at him way too much for him to be the most <laughs> likable. Yeah. Like after right. that little jig thing that he does, like, nah, fam, I'm good. Now for the uh, fun part. Sorry, Alex. You have I was another... just going to chuck in Reese James as well. Sure. He seems really nice. Sure, sure. Um, now for the fun part. Most punchable face. Bruno in the Fernandez. Premier League. Bruno Fernandez. <laughs> number one, two, and three. Actually, easy, I, easy. I mean, uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I've got Son no. on the list too. I've got Son. I, I actually have Son and I have um oh wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. What did I put in here? I have Son in here. Oh, I have Bruno too. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> I actually wrote down Bruno. No, Son for me, like I wanna murder him and like no, he's he's absolutely a see you next Tuesday. All right. Good stuff. What's left? Pep, oh, Pep as well, by the way. Pep is punchable. Very punchable. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. True. More in the Champions League, but yes. That's fine. drop Fernandinho. Exactly. Um, best kit. You guys go first. What were your best kit? What are some of your best kits? I think the Arsenal away kit is the best kit in the league. The, New one uh, or old one? No, the one from this season. The what's it? Blue. Um, Yes, yes, the, the the blue one is beautiful. I just listen. Uh, is it Adidas you guys have? Like Adidas is just doing Arsenal like a madness. Like the last three years, the you only good the thing about our club. Far. Yeah, yeah. They should really. We just put them in charge of management. We'd probably be better. Um, for me, I I was taking a look through the kits, and the away kits were way better than the home kits. Oh, all of them season, are away like, kits. Yeah, yeah, by a mile. Um, for me, and part of this is just nostalgia. It's the Leeds green and navy away kit. Just lovely kit. Loved it in the nineties. Love it now. Um, Agreed. Can I do some some bad kits? Can I do oh, my good kits? If you yeah, don't yeah, say on. what I think is the worst kit, then you're wasting okay. time. Let me give you a couple of good kits before we go to the fun stuff. Right. The burgundy that Leicester wore in the FA Cup. Yes, yeah. brilliant. Leeds away, like Alex says. Chelsea away is really good. That light blue with Chelsea the away. yeah, very light blue. 
It's very nice. One, yeah. Anything that has number three on it, like <laughs> Brighton Home with the the blue and the white collar, it looks really good on their players. It um, does. I said their yellow away kit is nice too. Yes, the Brighton in general is good, and I really like Cities Away, the dark black one. Yeah. Yes, you can't yes. go wrong with a black kit, honestly. Yeah, yeah, those are mine. Alex, tell us the fun bit. What's the worst kit? Okay, so West Brom have three awful kits, like epilepsy warning just awful shit um and then a shout out to wolves for literally having the portugal kit their yes. Away yes and thinking no one would notice i mean like it's just spectacular. They, they were just trolling at that point they were just straight up trolling <laughs> oh my god yeah there's a couple uh, of pretty unimaginative ones the united zebra kit is the worst kit i've ever seen in, in years Bad. <laughs> in, in in like no no it's it's disgusting it's absolutely disgusting. Mm. Mo, what are you eating? Um, what you would cream? I don't know what you would creme call brulee? creme brulee, kind of, but softer. Huh. It's just very heavy, is what I can tell you. Uh -huh. Like I can feel it reside on my heart with every bite. <laughs> okay, the the allardyce of of desserts. <laughs> yeah, I'm at the chippy shop. Going, yeah, I want that one. <laughs> All right. Is, is that all the categories we had? That was all the categories that I had. All right. I mean, those are those are the awards. So what's coming up in the future? We've got Euros. We've got the Copa America, if anyone doesn't have COVID. We've got the Olympics. We've got a lot of football this, this offseason. Yeah, so they just moved the Copa America to Brazil from Argentina. Brazil has more COVID. It's like a worse COVID situation. So I don't understand this decision at all. Yeah, it doesn't uh, make any sense. Assume it's corruption. Definitely not watching that mess of a tournament. Yours really... <laughs> no. is going to be man. fun, though. I mean, you've got England, Croatia on like the first Sunday. Did... I mean, I'm I'm excited for the Euros. Mm. Same. The Euros are sometimes a better watch than the World Cup for me. I don't know. Oh yeah. Maybe maybe yeah, it's yeah, the yeah. quality of teams, but I like the Euros the, a lot. The World Cup is actually nonsense. Like in terms of <laughs> spectacle, it's really, really, really bad. But we've actually had some pretty crazy ones recently. Like in the group stages of like um, the South Africa one, you had some craziness. Like I don't know, it it, it has something about it that kind of attracts you every four years. Well, hope, let's hope it stays. Tournament. Let's hope it stays every four years, or else it's really going to be rubbish. Yeah, if they screw that up. I mean, they've already taken away away goals. That's oh, UEFA. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank is, you for that. Is it, is it completely gone? Like, No, it... it needs to be ratified, allegedly. I don't know by who, but I assume if they've got it this far, they'll push it through. Not really. Like, it's not the biggest deal in the world to me, but it, it, what, it's just annoying. They should I just, just want focus... to learn new stuff. Seriously, they should, <laughs> they should just focus on getting Juventus, Real Madrid, and Barcelona banned and like put all their energy there before they start changing have you, the rules. Have you heard all the rumors? Like apparently like everyone is still in it, but it's just like on the hush-hush because they each got to pay like $300 million to leave or something. I mean, I don't doubt it. Like they will try again. We know, we know that. Yeah, in like 10 years. Yeah. Because once they ratify that new Champions League thing, they're, they're not leaving for at least five, six years. So they'll come back. They'll come back. Yeah, it's interesting. But I am looking forward to the Euros. It's what, a wee, more than a week away. Two weeks away? I think it starts on the 11th. So we'll, yep. we'll do a proper preview next week. But I'm just like, just excited. I think this is the best England team for a long, oh, long time. Oh, here we go. I'm just saying. 
There we go. We've got, we had them in 2002. We had them in 20, what is it? 2004. 2004, 2018. It's just like every couple of years, it's a golden. It's like England are really good at golden generations. <laughs> <laughs> there should be a prize for that. Yeah. yeah. Germany has one every like 10 years. England has one every year and a half. Belgium have brought Henri back for the, <laughs> to coach their Kevin De Bruyne list. Apparently, Lukaku really enjoyed it last sure. time. Enjoyed what? Having Hanging Henri out there. with Thierry. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. You see Mbappe hanging out with Benzema? Like so much, like apparently like they're inseparable. Oh, I find it so funny that like people are like, "Oh my God, Deschamps doing a madness." When Deschamps looked around and he was like, "Giroud's not been playing." <laughs> he's like, "I can't justify Giroud." To be fair, this though, time. He's, he's he's been playing Giroud for a long time when Giroud hasn't been playing. It just he seems <laughs> Giroud seems to be doing such a good job for France. But yeah, he gets to that point where it's like I think it's you know it's it's an Aguero Pep thing where Benzema um, forced kind of Deschamps' hand, same way Aguero in the past has forced Pep's hand to play. Deschamps cannot look at this season from Benzema. Like Benzema, I think, like, the top scorer of Madrid with 30-something goals, and then the second score, top scorer is, like, with seven goals, like Casemiro. Or well, it, like, if, it's horrendous. If, if Giroud scored even 10 goals this season, you would not <laughs> have seen Benzema, I guarantee you that. I, I honestly think it's, it's more Griezmann. I, I think, like, Deschamps knows what he's going to get from Giroud, and he's not looking for goals. He's just looking for flick-ons. He won the World Cup without Giroud scoring a goal. It, just, it doesn't matter. But if Griezmann's not scoring, he's got a problem. Hmm. Good point. Yeah. Well, Good point. All right. do, you, uh, do you want to do rumors and manager merry-go-round? Or yeah, let's do it quickly. Let's oh, do yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah let's do it. All right. So, like, we're, we're coming at you Monday, May 31st. Earlier today, Zinedine Zidane, an open letter, basically saying, calling Florentino Perez a twat, saying that, he didn't have any faith in him, and uh, and you know he, he he had to leave for that reason, which is amazing stuff. It really is. Like if you're Florentino Perez, you've got this guy who's won you like 19 Champions Leagues, and you can't even make him feel mm. good and and safe in his job. It, it's it's incredible stuff. We talked about this today, where it's like he Zidane talked about like uh, I feel my relationship with player with people at the club is deteriorating, blah blah blah, and it's pretty much seems like what happens to every Madrid co-manager except that Zidane always leaves before he gets sacked like he always <laughs> yeah. leaves in the, in the right summer because you know another half a season of this and he would have been sacked or left so he's just so smart to leave every time on his terms at the right moment looking really good to the rest of the world mm-hmm. <laughs> and now he's the, I don't know, this great viable candidate which doesn't look exactly the same when you're fired halfway through the season because you're fifth in the league or whatever it's also a good look because like other managers would be like no sack me I want my payoff He's like, I'm already rich. Like, like, <laughs> what's another ten million from, from sacking me? Whatever. Like, yeah. Like, uh, yeah, it's yeah. Like my three sons are footballers. <laughs> like, we're gonna be fine <laughs> over here in the Zidane household. Um, Plus, he but, knows he's gonna get a job. Some like he'll take two years off or whatever he takes, right? And he'll get a big job that will pay him good money. So whatever. So I think like we we've spoken before about how there's only a few jobs you can really see him doing. One is Juventus, but Allegri's got that job. The other is France. If Maybe Deschamps goes after this tournament. I don't know. I mean, he probably doesn't want to, but he, I think he would have to be sacked. And then the other only possibility that, that is kind of cropping up now is like if Pochettino does leave PSG for either Spurs or Real Madrid, where he is allegedly, you know, high on both of those lists, then PSG opens up and like Zidane at PSG would be wicked. That, PSG, that might convince Mbappe to stay. PSG, France, and Juve. Those are yeah. his three. One of the three is his next job. 
you know what? If if I'm if I'm PSG, right? Like, and if he's if he's interested in the job, you push Pochettino out now. And I think Zidane's already like a Qatar ambassador, isn't he? Like, I'm sure. I'm very sure he's a, like. I think he's a Qatar like 2022 ambassador. He's got pr- good relationships. They want the Champions League. He's a Champions League serial winner, and obviously the marketing of Zidane, like. It just makes sense from what they're trying to establish as a footballing, you know, entity. Not it that Poch's a bad manager, but like that's the that's the that's the guy for your, you know, sports yeah. washing and, exercise. And, and if it if it keeps Mbappe for another year or two, which I think it would, that's a good point. A yeah, because PSG with Zidane or like you know Madrid with Pochettino. Like no, you say PSG. <laughs> And and like Mbappe wanted, you know, part of the reason that Mbappe probably has been wanting to join. I mean, I, he was a fan as a kid and yada yada yada. But like Zidane being there is probably a large part of the draw for Mbappe. If he's not there, and if he's at PSG, that makes things easy. I think. Hmm. Yeah, Zidane is a 2022 Qatar ambassador. <laughs> oh, there you go. What does that even mean? He's ambassadoring <sighs> for Qatar. When they were doing the votes, he's like, "Guys, vote for Qatar," because you know I'm Zidane. <laughs> yeah. Super play. Qatar sends him like some money every month, and if someone asks him about Qatar, he's like, "Yes, it is great." Yeah, basically. Yeah, that's Javi's current role. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what What else is going on? Um. So, well, Conte left Inter, which is great stuff because he's like, they're they're like, we need to sell some players and balance the books a bit, and he's he has zero patience for that, which is which is hilarious. Having built a squad that he loves, so he's off. Uh. So they've replaced him with Simone Inzaghi and Serie A. It's all changed in Serie A. 18 out of 20 clubs in Serie A have changed their manager. In the last year? Or in the, like this summer. Or like have changed or are changing. Like have sacked wow. their manager or are changed. It's like insane. Wow. wow. Uh, <laughs> Allegri to Juve. Interesting. Because like he was going to go to Real Madrid apparently and Real Madrid stumbled on it. And then he's like, I'm not waiting for you guys. I'm going to Juve. Yeah, I'm so upset. I'm so upset. Like we went to sleep, or at least I went to sleep, thinking of a perfect world where where Zidane would go to Juve, Allegri would go to uh, to Real. Madrid. Real Madrid, and you know we've got the, and Conte would still be at Inter, and it's a beautiful world. The birds are chirping, the sun's out, and then I wake up and like Conte is gone after winning Inter their first title in God knows how long, and now Allegri can't wait a week for Madrid. Like to be fair, who wants to work with Perez? Like if you have another option, I see, it. I, I get it. But like it just it made so much sense for everybody. It did. It really did. And it just would have been fun to see something new. Yeah. Like Real Madrid haven't had a successful manager that isn't Zidane in so long. And Allegri well, uh, is the best possibly out there you can get right now. And like now we wouldn't have had the rumors of them talking to Carlo Ancelotti if everyone had just done their job. Yeah, that's <laughs> not happening. This cracks me up so much. I, I wouldn't rule it out. Occasionally, they do like a Benitez-style appointment and just appoint mm. someone they know that is safe and they know they, they can sack him again in six months. It sounds like what it is is like Perez is just recharging his ego. Like he has a big profile dude that he can't slap around. And then, you know, he's tired of that. So he's like, okay, I got to get in like a Benitez-style. I can slap him around for a year, get my <laughs> ego all up and, and exciting again. And they'd be like, okay, then I can go get an Allegri that I can't slap around. And, you know, he just does the cycle of slap around, don't slap around. <laughs> That's so well put. It's exactly what happens. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, it's exciting regardless. We'll see what happens. But a lot of these teams are just not as, somehow, not as good as they used to be. Um, 
it feels like a lot of the teams are just not as good as they used to be, which is a bit more of a of an equal playing ground now. And yeah, we'll see what happens next season. There's it's, it's going to be fun because the, the the Barca and Madrid are broke. Juve is broke. Inter is broke. <laughs> like Man. who has except for England? Like it, only Premier League has money, so that's only we're going to see the spending there. Like. Barcelona signing course. every free transfer available is very amusing. They might like get Adams in, Aguero's in, Depay in a minute, Garcia, Eric Garcia. Earlier you asked where's Ramsey going to go. I'm like, he's free, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> Barcelona, Ronaldo and Ramsey, the dream. And Frankie de Jong <laughs> holding it together. Yeah, it's funny how the nationality of the, of the manager can actually affect some of your transfer. Like you've got now, all of a sudden, you've got Depay, Genie, Frank. Like you've got a lot of of Dutch guys in the team. Um, so it's it's interesting how that happens. You've seen it with Arsene Wenger and, and French people at Arsenal. You've seen it in a couple of couple of teams, and now it just sounds like a lot more Dutch players are going to Barcelona because of. Uh, what what amazing! Which, which is me. funny because he may not be there in two weeks, but he shouldn't. Yeah, but. What amazes me about Barcelona is like Messi was complaining about how everything is shit, and like you think Genie Wijnaldum is like in fact the only thing that's keeping him there he's like if you got Aguero I'll stay like what doesn't doesn't Genie have like one assist in two seasons or something like that for Liverpool oh yeah but come on like you're playing for Barcelona now you have to add something to your game that's true I mean he's a Genie that doesn't give you any of your wishes (laughs) he's not in a bottle. But Messi's like, I wish for one assist. He's like, sorry. <laughs> Find out I'm like, rub me the right way. <laughs> that should be his uh, his um, what's it song? His initiation song for sure. <laughs> <I'm a Yeah. laughs> um, what was I gonna say? Oh yeah, like if he if he doesn't have to spend ninety nine percent of the game just like running around like a maniac pressing everything, maybe he can do some more passing of the ball. Good point. I think it's funny that. Italy can change 18 of 20 managers um, and Barca and Real are going to change managers, but Spurs can't get one. <laughs> imagine if they did. I mean, you know, it's just taken a while, but imagine if they just didn't. So like, let's go yeah. a year without one, see if it makes any difference. I bet it wouldn't but, make that much difference. I've got it. I've got it. It's like, Harry, we're going to make <laughs> you player manager. That's how we're going to keep you. We're going to make you in charge of everything. <laughs> Look, we, we've all seen the team talks on All or Nothing. It's just like, fucking Christmas, three points, top four, cow, fucking yeah. Yeah. No, but the, the player manager days were fun. And I can't get one. That's their problem. 99 managers can't get one. Hit me. <laughs> I love yeah, the also, player manager also, days with Viali and, and Hullet and them. Like, we need, yeah, we need that back. I agree. <laughs> did you guys, did we mention the 100 million release clause of Aguero? <laughs> They have to have one legally, but that is very funny, yeah. But like, come on. Like I mean, they couldn't even just for laughs. Like, like the pro the-, the problem is this. Sorry, Bernie. The problem is Barcelona put that clause in there, and they're the only ones that would have bought Aguero for a hundred million off someone else. <laughs> so like he's safe. No one else is doing it, mate. It was only you that could ever have done that stupid deal. <laughs> like he's where he's already like he's where that clause is gonna get triggered from so you're okay <laughs> they're like are you yeah. sure there's no there's no uh, fee <laughs> are you sure guys <laughs> can we, we buy another loan <laughs> from ourselves oh, man. 
Oh, 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 I know we have to go, but did you notice that, like, uh, Laporta was like, the renovation project is basically gone? <laughs> like, they, they don't even have enough money to do a project that they planned for the last 10 years. <laughs> well, we were we were there. We were at the stadium, weren't we? And we, we yeah. walked through the stadium and we read all about it, like, into 2016, and they had all these plans for it. And it was, they did it really, they marketed it really well. And then, yeah, here we go. And, um... I mean, I tell this story every time that the opportunity arises, but as we walked through the stadium, they did try to sell us <laughs> grass that they had taken up on the pitch and, and put then, into little packets. And then they're like, ESL is the problem. Nate! <laughs> like, Would you like to buy this grass? It's from the TV Villanova era. <laughs> no, thanks. Can't believe it. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh uh, apparently they still owe Liverpool 50 minutes to continue. Yeah, yeah. Rumors today are like, can we give him back to you and just not pay the 50 million? I would love to know like if they like who they owe money to. <laughs> Who's gonna come knocking at their door like Dortmund's like hey with a bat. Jason the this, money. Jason Statham with a bat. Yeah. Just like, all right, these clubs need their money. <laughs> or or the, the three stooges who tried to sign under Herrera show up. <laughs> hey guys. <laughs> Can we pay you in frankincense and myrrh? No. <laughs> All right, we better leave it there. It's uh, It's been fun. It's been jazz. It's been freestyle. It's like Pep Guardiola in the Champions League final. They, they better get used to it. It's off-season. So this is what kind of podcast you're going to be getting. <laughs> wiki, wiki, <laughs> For like two weeks until the Euros. <laughs> yes. All right. Next week, Euros preview. Peace. Bye. Thank you for downloading the Koshcast. Get in touch at underthekoshblog at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at under underscore the kosh. And for articles, predictions, and the full experience, go to underthekoshblog.com.